to it. Inside for Giroux. Claude Giroux. All the way back. Here's Provorov. A wrist shot. They score! The Flyers win in overtime with traffic out in front. Scott Lawton was on the spot. And we will have game number six on Thursday. Carried out by Hayes. Over the line with Raffle crisscrossing. Him and Hayes shot by Barzell. Up top. Cruising is Provorov. He scores! Ivan Provorov wins it in overtime. Game seven, Saturday. And the sweetest words in sports are game seven. And we will have a game seven almost unbelievably in the Flyers-Islander series for the right to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. That'll be Saturday night. Hi, I'm Kevin Cooney. This is working the Beat. It is Friday, September 4, 2020. Uh, Mike Silski from the Inquirer will join Mike and I in a moment as we will break down what has been a remarkable 72 hours for the Philadelphia Flyers who have looked at times, dead the rights in their series against the Islanders after falling down 3-1, but have shown remarkable restraint and remarkable resiliency, rather, I guess, is the better term, um, in bouncing back from those three were, from that 3-1 deficit, the force of the cider on Saturday night in Toronto. Those calls, by the way, uh, the gr- John Forslund, who has been tremendous on this series in the NHL playoffs in the Toronto bubble for NBCSN. Those calls are courtesy of NBCSN. Um, so here we are. Flyers and Islanders game seven. We'll talk a little bit about where this team, beyond what has happened in this series, where this team goes from here, even if it is if it is to Edmonton, if it's coming home, but what they could grow on, and they could grow, obviously, with the goaltender. So Mike and Mike and I will discuss that in a few moments, uh, and we'll also throw some Eagles in, in there. And, hey, how about the Phillies, who entering a big series against the New York Metropolitans this week uh, are somehow uh, <laughs> winners of 9 of 10, and the hottest team in the National League at this point. So we'll talk a little bit about all that. Um, one week before the NFL season kicks off, less than a week, um, next Thursday night with the uh, with the Chiefs and the Texans in Kansas City. Uh, we'll talk. Mike and I will break down some of the NFL stuff. Tyron Lou continues to be the name on everybody's lips as far as per- potentially the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Mike and I will discuss that later on. And uh, look ahead to Labor Day weekend. Next week, we are a Tuesday-Friday schedule next week. Um, obviously, everything going on. Uh, things are a little fluid. Hope you will have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll have an idea on where the Flyers will go. Apparently, if they win on Saturday night, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Remember, in Edmonton. So whoever wins Saturday night will have to fly to Edmonton and face the Lightning on Monday night. So Sunday travel day, Monday right back into it. So uh, no rest for the weary when you get to the Cup playoffs. So it is a uh, it is a tight window they are in, but uh, they're still alive, and that beats the alternative right now for this hockey team. And again. Not a bad time. I mean, you think about it. Yeah, this weekend you have the Kentucky Derby coming up. Uh, in two weeks you have the U.S. Open in golf. 
Got the U.S. Open in tennis that's going on right now. Although I don't think it's catching many eyeballs. You still have the NBA playoffs going on, by the way. And uh, the Raptors able to save themselves last night a little bit. And the NFL getting started next week. Um, so a real good time in the sports calendar. We all said when fall rolled around that all this would uh, get get interesting. And uh, it, it's about to get interesting. And for this town, it will get real interesting on Saturday night. So when we come back, it'll be Mike and Mike, Kern and Silski, talking Flyers, talking Eagles, talking Phillies. That's next here on Working the Beat. <laughs> It's a game seven of all things in the NHL. Probably words I never thought I would ever say. Uh, but here we are, even at the beginning of the week. But here we are, Flyers and Islanders in the game seven. <laughs> and joining us now to discuss this first is Mr. Kern. How are you, Mike? Yo. And drop the puck, man. Drop, drop the, puck. the puck. And uh, from the Inquirer, the fine columnist who right now is focused on uh, all things Flyers and all things everything else, too. But uh, is Mike Selsky. Mike, how are you? Hi, Kev. Hi, Mike. Yo. Uh, Yo. Well, at one, what is it like writing on deadline on a game that's a thousand miles away with Zoom links at this point? <laughs> um, well, in a way, I've lucked out in that every game I've had to write on deadline so far in this series has gone to overtime. Yeah. And has <laughs> ended at a time that was past my last deadline for the yep. Um, yep. I, I tweeted this the other day, that, the, and you guys know this. When you cover overtime hockey, there's like a dead zone uh-huh. where if the game ends in the first like five minutes of overtime, you're screwed. That's good. And if it doesn't end for, you know, at least a period, that's good because you're past your final deadline. But there's like a 15 minute window where if one team scores like 11 minutes in overtime, you are that abs- is the worst of all outcomes because you'll end up having like 12 minutes to write your story or your column. And nobody wants that. And there's nothing that you wrote before then that really matters, to be bluntly honest, in a lot of cases. Because no, no, there's nothing. It's not like yeah. other sports where you could transfer some of the information over and make it work. It's really yeah, tough but that doesn't rock. stop it from getting in the paper sometimes, Kevin. That's <laughs> that's that, that's true. But yeah, you're right, Kev. You can't really pre-write uh, anything. You can't, especially um, on elimination games. Right, because who? Can, why would you pre-write something? Who cares what you pre-wrote if the team you're covering loses and their season is over? Yeah. I remember one of the great things, Mike, with the, the Primo game, which I think ended close to 2.30. I'm pretty sure it was close to 2.30. And not only did the Daily News hold to get the story in, but they had a quote. Les, Les got a couple of quotes. And I, I, and I asked Cesar Alsop, who was the guy in charge at the time, he said, what would happen if it went like another half hour? He goes, we don't know. He goes, yeah, at some point we would have had to pull the plug, but I don't know what the point was. Um, and now, I guess, what now, Mike, it's like around midnight, right? Or 11 o'clock or? Yeah, well, my deadline is, is 10.45. Okay. Um, which, is, which is when I have to have filed the column. So, so for instance, last night, talking about game six, I talked to the, one of the desk guys and said, look, if this isn't over by 10.15 – bag it because the other thing you have to take into consideration is 
that because access is what it is, we're getting these guys on Zoom calls from a thousand miles away. If I'm banging out a deadline column and I'm missing the access, then the follow-up column I go to, uh, I'm writing is going to be bad too. You know, it's bad enough to write a, a lousy column on deadline right. off the top of your head. It's then doubly bad to write a, a, a terrible follow-up. You can't, Mike, you can't get the quotes on like an ASAP or something? I could, but I want to be able to ask at least. I hear you. No, I hear you. you know? Sure, sure. So, yeah. All right. Um, it's all, and it's always fun to hear from Flyers fans on Twitter about the kind of questions you asked and, and the way you asked them. That's, that's, the, that's the beauty of post-game live where, you know, every question they now – you're all identified and you're, everybody ridicule, becomes a question, a question examiner on what your yeah, motives my, my, are and everything. My, my, uh, my, my, my line on that has always been that um, fans expect – uh, reporters and media members to be like Sam Waterston in Law and Order, you know, <laughs> exactly. Jack McCoy, like, you know, why did you commit the murder? And, you know, it, I always I thought, I always thought it was better. Got this, this has always bugged me. I don't care what fans say. When other media people who, and we know who we're talking about, who aren't at these things, would like, yeah, you know, would criticize the questions. And I'd be like, sure. whoa, whoa, yeah. wait a second here. You know, you can go. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And But, you know, that's another story that nobody cares about. All right. How fortunate are they to be alive at this point? Because you don't get outshot. At one point, it was two and a half to one in, in overtime. I mean, Kevin has won three overtime games. I know. I mean, this is... Only one other team. Only only one other team in NHL history has done that, and was that was the '94 Canucks have won three overtime games and forced in, in a series in a series and forced Game Seven when they were down three one. Um, and by the way, they won Game Seven in overtime. Um, how fortunate are they right now to even be still playing? Well, it depends on what you mean by fortunate. I mean, they are fortunate that they have Carter Hart, and Carter Hart saved their bacon. Thursday night. I mean, he was, you know, as I wrote in my column, it's not often that uh, a goaltender allows four goals in an elimination game and yet is without a doubt a reason that his team was not eliminated. And that was the case Thursday night. I mean, he was brilliant. He saved them in that first overtime and bought them time and they were opportunistic. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't even one of three stars, was he? No, I don't even know. Not on Jonesy's. No, not on Jonesy's list. No. Yeah. But Jonesy Um, had Oscar, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're fortunate. I mean, they're getting outplayed for most of this series, and they still have no answer, uh, you know, for the Brock Nelson, Matthew Barzell, Anders Lee line at all. That that line gets anywhere it wants to go, anytime it's on the ice, um, and is creating a ton of chances, and the Flyers can't do anything about it. Last night, Travis Sanheim had a nightmare game, um, which hurt them in some respects. Uh, we're all still waiting for Jake Voracek to get going in this series and stop trying to skate through everybody when he crosses the blue line into the Islander zone. And yet here they are, um, you know, one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's a testament to Hart. I think it's a testament to the overall balance of the roster um, and guys, certain guys playing well at certain times. Kevin Hayes has been really good the whole playoff, um, but now you're seeing Scott Lawton play really well, get some big goals for them in these last couple of games. Um, Drew has come around, you know, he had the goal in game five. He played very well last night. The pass, um, the, the pass to Lawton on the, on the game tire goal was tremendous. Yeah. Yes. It was ter- terrific. So look, it's game seven. Anything can happen. And I think if you're them, you got to like your chances because of the goaltender. And how hey, many times do, do we say that about the Flyers? Did Her- you guys see the stat 
that when Kevin Hayes scores, the Flyers are 20-0-1. Yeah, I, I saw that was... Um, That's nuts. That is nuts. But, I mean, when you look at it, and, Mike, I thought not only the goaltender bailed out the team last night, he bailed out he bailed his out head coach. coach. Yeah. Because Elaine Vigneault had an awful night last night. I thought, like, the, the challenge was bad. I thought the line combinations for a lot of the night, he was slow to adjust. Um, he left, I, I thought he left Limblom on there way too long for a guy playing his first game in nine months. Um, and yet the goaltender bailed him out. And, and he admitted it, I thought, after the game as much. Yeah, look, um, you know, I'm with you on the challenge. I, I don't understand that. I don't, I, I don't know who on the bench is telling him to challenge these things or whether he's making the decision himself, but he's got to stop it. This is twice now. That the Isle, in this series that the Islanders have scored a goal, he's challenged it. It was obviously not going to be reviewed, and he put his team on a power, you know, in a shorthanded situation. And this time it burned him because the Islanders got a goal in the, out of the shorthanded situation. And there was one in the Montreal series we should point yes. out too. So there's that. Um, you know, as far as Lindblom, I mean, look, they didn't have Couturier last night, which gets overlooked. Right. And Couturier is their best overall player, so I'm sure he's mixing and matching as best as he can. Um, you know, Farabee got, got dazed in game five from a hit, so he can't play. And he had been, a, you know, a very good forward for them. Um, you know, look, Barry Trotz is a really good coach. Elaine Vigneault is a very good coach. I think that's kind of a draw there. I, I honestly don't know what this is going to come down to uh, in game seven. To, to suggest that this, is, this series is going to continue any kind of pattern, to me, would be crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Islanders are really good. They're not going to stop coming. You know, maybe that's the one thing you can kind of, you know, say, oh, we know that for certain, that if the Flyers get out to an early lead, nobody should get comfortable because you know the Islanders are going to come back. And then, you know, you hope you can survive the third period. I mean, that was the big break from everything else that had happened. In game six, the Flyers won the third period. They outscored the Islanders in the third period. The Islanders had had won that period 10-2 to in the series heading into the game six. And the Flyers outscored them in the third and then won in overtime. So, you know, I think Hart's playing better than Varlamov right now. And I think if you're the Flyers, that has to give you hope. Mike? Yeah, and I think if that guy doesn't break his stick on that play at the blue lineup, you know, maybe we don't go to OT. But give the Flyers credit. They took advantage. They had fewer uh, opportunities, but they took advantage of them. So even if their best play is a slap shot from the blue line, I mean, who cares? Uh, just as an aside, one of the series where Vigneault came back from 3-1... to one, Was against Trotz. Was against Trotz. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't think any of us can predict what's going to happen tomorrow. All I know is this guy, Bonzel, is now my favorite player in the whole world. Barzell? He is. How can he, like, like Mike said, how can that line do whatever it wants to? Like, it, it just behooves me that he'll skate around with the puck for 15 seconds... Until something happens, I just, you know, who knew this guy was this exciting? Well, and- well, I mean, he was he was the Calder Trophy winner as the Rookie of the Year in 2018, and he scored more than a point a game that year, which is pretty darn good. Okay, for a rookie, I think I think you know, not seeing him every night, yes, you know, over the course of a season, you don't. And really the Islanders ever- stinking too. Yeah, but you know, they don't stink now. They're good. that's right. And and give credit to Lou Lamorello, their general manager, because they're not the same team that they were for most of that season. Lou made some. As, as Lou has done in the past for other teams, particularly the Devils, he made some really good deadline moves. You know, he got, you know, um, John Gabriel Pajot. He got Andy Green, who Lamarillo had with the Devils. Um, and, 
you know, they are not the team they were that kind of struggled and labored through most of the season. They're good, and they're going to be a tough app. Mike, when you look at it, there was a spot when the Flyers went up 2 nothing last night. It looked like Trotz turned to his assistant and asked about pulling Valarmov, and he didn't. And Valarmov continue, I thought, to struggle. He was fighting the puck even when he was making saves last night. Do they go to Grace maybe in Game 7 at this point? Well, you always wonder about that, Kev, because, you know, it's the it's it's do or die, and do you want to send a shockwave through your team by doing that? Um, you know, that was always the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it an excuse or a reason why, and it's not a goaltending situation, but I think it's similar, why the Flyers 20 years ago couldn't finish off the Devils in the Eastern Conference Finals. They had them three games to two, and all of a sudden Eric Lindros wanted to come back and uh, re-enter the lineup. And it was a negative shock. And it was a negative shock to the team. And then, of course, he gets freight trained by Scott Stevens, and it's really a negative shock. Right. Um, you know, I don't know what, what Trotz is going to do, but I would imagine, you know, having covered him in the past, he's got a really good idea of what will work in that locker room. So if he does go to Grice, I don't think it's going to be a matter of he's desperate or anything like that. I think it's going to be because he read the room and decided my team will play better under in front of Thomas Well, Grace. I think Thomas Grice has been the better goaltender for them in this series. He's been... Far more oh, he effective. Was terrific in the game he played, yes. And and yeah. even even when game he came started. in, yeah, when he came in for Valarmov in game two, two, yeah. I mean, he got beat on a, on a ball uh, on a puck that bounced. That was it. So yeah. if if you're them, I think you may look to make the switch, just because you know, I, I, you almost wonder if the Flyers. Yeah, you know, everybody thinks. All right, when you come back from three one, you get the three three. That you have nothing to lose, and the the team that blew the lead has something to lose, or you know has everything to lose at that point because you get labeled as a choker and all that. I, I I don't view that that because I think anybody who watched these games realized the Islanders have been the better team and they've carried the play. It's been a maybe just one player that's been the difference, and that's been the goaltenders. Yeah, I mean, look, Hart allowed. You know, one soft goal in Game Five. You mm-hmm. know, the, the Nelson goal that made it three to two. He should have had that. Um, he got he got ripped a little bit on the broadcast by Brian Boucher for allowing the tying goal in that game for not having a stick on the ice, right? Yeah, I think it was a little rough by Boucher, but you know, whatever. But you're right. I mean, Hart Hart was the best player in Game Six. You know, he was terrific in Game Two. He's been he's been good throughout the series for the most part. You know, if they're going to win, if the Flyers are going to win Saturday night, it's going to be because of him. Because there's nothing that suggests in the way this series has gone that the Flyers are going to control play for any longer than like a five to seven minute stretch at any one time. The Islanders can just kind of turn it on again, it seems like, whenever they want. And as we said earlier, they have a line that the Flyers cannot handle. Every time that line is on the ice, I, I guarantee you, Elaine Vigneault and every Flyers fan in North America is holding their breath that Barzil, Nelson, or Lee doesn't score. One more question, Mike, from me before I turn it over to you. No matter what happens Saturday night, does this experience carry over for them, whether they advance and go on and, and face Tampa? And look, Tampa would be a bear for them to overcome. But even if they lose Saturday night, what have they learned out of this, you think, that carries them forward as a group in, when we resume this in December or whatever with this group? Well, I think it's great that the younger guys got the playoff experience that they're getting. You know, that always helps. There's no guarantee of what the roster is going to look like, um, you know, when the season, re- you know, when the next season begins. 
Um, you know, Morgan Frost may have to find a way in a roster spot. Elaine Vigneault may go to Chuck Fletcher and say, I don't want this guy, this guy, or this guy back. We don't, we don't know that yet. Um, you know, I mean, there, is there some carryover? Yeah, possibly, but there doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, look at the Calgary Flames. They were a 110-point team a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Spinning been in the said, wheel since, right. Yeah, and, and everybody said, oh, well, you know, they'll come back hungrier next year. Well, Look at the Sixers. Yeah, they haven't come back hungrier. So, um, you know, I think, I think in any playoff situation, you have to take advantage of the opportunity that's before you. Um, you know, how much will they learn and carry over? That depends on... Um, what the team looks like next year. Is it there, really does. Is there a piece that you think they can move uh, that you, you could be interchangeable of, all right, you got Frost coming in, but you also, you know, maybe if you want to go make some moves, is there one person there that you think they can sub in and out, you know, like to make it well, work among the I, veterans? I think, I think it would be difficult to to move one of the veterans. Um, you know, you look at a guy, at guys like Voracek and Van Riemsdyk, you know, Van Riemsdyk has three years left on that contract. That makes it difficult. Um, Voracek, I think, also has three years left, if I'm not mistaken. Could you trade Van Riemsdyk for Horford or Tobias? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Um, so, you know, I don't know about it. You'd have to package something, I think. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult. I think, you know, I really think it's going to be difficult. I think um, – the, the likelihood, is, especially with a shortened off season, that, that that the team probably will look a lot very similar next season to what it looks like right now. But what do I know? And a flat cap too. We should point out. Yes. Uh, all right, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah. The, the best thing this team has going forward is the guy in goal for the next decade or whatever you hope. But you know, maybe I'm nuts. But Barry Trotz has lost a lot of game sevens in his life, and a lot of them, almost all of them, were at home. There's no home this time, but. I mean, it just seems to me, I don't buy in necessarily that this experience is necessarily going to mean the Flyers or Stanley Cup favorites next year, but it has to help. Do you think, Mike, if they do advance, they would have any chance against Tampa, or is Tampa just, A, because they've been sitting there for a week in Winnipeg waiting for the Flyers Edmonton, to, Edmonton. to come out? Nobody, who, volu- nobody who voluntarily goes to it's, Winnipeg. It's the same thing. We just don't know that. Um I mean, do you think they could, after if they survive this, that they would have a lot left? Because I think they could give Tampa a series. I don't think they necessarily could beat them, but I don't think they're just going to get you know, out in five games necessarily. Well, first of all, it could be worse. It could be Moose Jaw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Flynn Flon. Flynn Flon, the home, home, of the, home of the greatest flyer of all. Bob there you Flan. go. That's right. Um, to answer your question, I, I think that, they would give Tampa a decent series. Um, yep. You know, I don't. I, I would not pick them to beat Tampa, but I think they would. Their style, the way they would be able to play against Tampa, to kind of let Tampa come after him, kind of you know, come into my parlor, said the spider to the flyer, you know, said the flyers to the fly, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and Hart, if Hart keeps playing like this, man, it's like having you know. I think it. I honestly think it's. I keep saying this, but I think it's really true. Flyers fans have been so conditioned over time to think of a couple of things that their team is always going to do. Their team is always going to go for it when it has a chance to go for it to make the big trade, make the big acquisition. That's what Ed Snyder and Bob Clark always did. The other thing they're conditioned to to expect is that their goaltender is not going to be great. That he's not going to be the sole reason 
that their team wins the series. Mm-hmm. And if you look back over time, there have been plenty of teams that have got made deep playoff runs or gotten to the finals because of their goaltender. The Buffalo right. Sabres were always a threat every year. Of because of Dominic Hossack. Right. You know, the, the New Jersey Devils won three cups, not just because they had Scott Stevens and, you know, Scott Niedermeyer and Brian Rafalski and, and a terrific GM. They had Martin Brodeur, who was yeah. a great goaltender. And doesn't Tampa have a, a really good power play? This yes, is really yes, going to do. test them, and they them, have a good right? goalie too. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking yeah. anything away from Tampa, but it could be a situation. It's possible that Carter Hart just plays them into the finals and, and, and I, steals I, you, steals you a couple games. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's hard for people who have followed this franchise over time to envision something like that. And I'm not suggesting it's definitely going to happen. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that we have to open up our minds to that possibility. Ke- Kevin, let me ask you what. What is wrong with the Flyers' power play? Because I think during the season they were like 12th in the league, and I think they're 0 for 14 or something, and they don't even look good when they're on it. Uh, can they fix it? I think they're missing. I think it's the one thing that they are missing, really, that that and you see it, excuse me, you see it in that line that the Islanders have where they have three guys who can just freaking put the puck in the net. You put the puck in their stick five feet from the from the goal, the puck is home. You know, unless Carter Hart is in net. The Flyers don't have a guy like that. They really don't. Um, they have a lot of, like, B-plus kind of scores. They don't have an A-minus or an A kind of creative player. Drew might have been that kind of guy five years ago. He's, he's not, not now. that guy now. Nope. And Voracek might have been, I mean, he's a very creative player, but he's not really a goal scorer in that way. And Van Riemsdyk hasn't been that guy that, that's what they're missing, and I think in the playoffs that comes to the forefront. Is is you just don't have somebody who can, you know, who just shoots the puck from the top of the left circle and whips it past the goal. Mike Silski joining us here. Mike, let's switch to the Eagles. It's hard to believe there's a week before this season. It, it, it's, it's like, it, it, do you know college football has already started and I didn't even know it? Well, yeah, it was what a uh, 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 Austin P played. So, what I'm uh, saying, Kevin. Normally, we would be like I'm a college football guy. There, there would be this week would be huge, right? There would have been like I don't know. There's I guess there is a game on Monday night. I know. Is uh, there a big game? Is it like a it's Navy and BC, B, BYU? BYU, that Navy, right. Navy okay. BYU this week. Okay, Mike. Given but the Eagles, everything that's come out of the Eagles camp at Novacare sounds like it's been negative. Um, in a sense of you've had. You know, two offensive line injuries. Um, you've got Jason Peters pouting uh, and demanding more money to go back to left tackle. You have Zach Ertz's contract situation, which was reported on Thursday that negotiations have broke down. Jalen Rieger's out. Um, am I missing something here? What what the hell's going on down there? It seems like before the season's already begun, before the season's even kicked off, it's just one big negative cloud after another. Yeah, you know, I think part of it is the the dearth of information that's coming out because writers aren't there. Right. You know, um, so the big things seem bigger. I'm not suggesting these aren't concerns. They absolutely are. But they're also not counterbalanced by anything else that's coming out of training camp. You know, like, I mean, you guys know this. Eagles training camp is the, is a rite of passage Mm-hmm. in this city every year. It is the indication that summer is ending and that 
we are getting ready for football season and things are, are really getting going and a million writers and reporters and TV people are down there and you're just inundated with coverage. Hey, Aguilar just made a nice catch. There you go. Right. Yeah. Carson Wentz went six for seven in his drills, you know, and we're not getting any of that now. So the stuff that's going to come out of there is going to be the big stuff and it's going to be stuff that isn't counterbalanced by what we're seeing on the field. So I think that's part of it. Now, having said that, yeah, it doesn't look like things are real going very smoothly down there. Their offensive line is a concern. Absolutely a concern. You know, where's Deshaun? You know, what are they going to get from Deshaun Jackson on the outside? How, how serious is this injury to Wentz, or are they just really resting him? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? I don't think anybody has a really good sense of what things are going to look like you know, once things kick off on the 13th against the Washington football team. Well, yeah, and Matt Pryor apparently has looked awful. People yes. who have watched camp say Pryor at left tackles looked awful, which gives – I thought I heard you on WIP talk about the, the, the situation with Peters this week. If you're Howie, and he's in a, he's in a bit of a cash bind going forward, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you structure mm-hmm. – a a thing that lets Peters you know, move the left tackle at this point. You go to Jason Peters and say, look, JP, um, 31, you, 31 other teams had the opportunity to sign you to play left tackle, and they didn't want you. So we're open to giving you more money, but it's going to be incentive-laden here. And if you don't like it, then you know, we'll Would ride you with somebody else. Yeah, Mike, I heard somebody, and, and I don't know if I get this right or wrong, that said you can't do that. Oh. You, they, now, I don't know. Somebody was on there talking. I think it was somebody that knew what they were talking about. Because somebody brought up the same thing. You give him, like, an incentive laid in for playing uh, switching positions. And somebody said that you're not allowed to do that be, um, because of the positional thing. I, I And like I said, I don't know if that's well, right wrong. I'm just throwing it out Like, there. once you sign a contract, it's very rare that you are able to alter that contract within, yeah. like, three or four yeah. months. Um, I ordered my contract all the time. I understand that, and that explains a lot. Go ahead, yes, it so, does. <laughs> Go ahead, no, Silsky. it's okay. I mean, I don't know what you do. I mean, you know, it's not like Andre Dillard was, um, you know, acquitting himself all that well either, despite what his agent wanted Adam mm. Schefter to say. <laughs> so, yeah. You know. Um, that might have been Howie Roseman floating that, did, by the way. Do either of you guys think that JP is right for doing this? No. No, he's an ass. Well, <laughs> he's an okay, ass. But, I, but I've heard some people stick up for his side of it. I'm not ahead, saying Mike. that's right. I'm just, you know. I mean, look, you know, JP is JP, man. You know, he thinks, he does not believe he has lost a step at all. Right, right. And he is looking at this and saying, somebody should have signed me, and now that you've signed me and you want me to play left tackle, pay me my money. I got you. Um, you know, and to a degree, he's got the Eagles over a barrel, and I suppose they could call his bluff and say, well, the heck with you, we're going to cut you. Um you know, I don't think it, they want that to happen. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how this gets solved. I really don't. JP hasn't watched game film in the last three years. <laughs> I mean, seriously. No, I, and, and this... Here's a guy who plays half the snaps, basically. No, 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 no. Last year, he played, like, I think it was 91% of the snaps, Kev. Okay. Yeah, he was out there the whole year last year. Okay, I, I don't but, think that's but, the argument you make. I think He might argument, limp... He, might he limps limp off a lot. I mean... You, you might, the argument you make is, hey, JP, we didn't need you to win a Super Bowl. We were able to find somebody else, mm. you know, and, you know, even though we can move you to left tackle, we're not, you know, 
We'll, we'll explore other options. Uh, what I don't is, know. What is, no. uh, you, know, you know, this is the classic talk show question. Oh, Car- Car- Carson Wentz is entering year five, and he hasn't won a playoff game yet, and all this. He hasn't played in one. Well, he played four minutes. He played three plays. He hasn't played in one. Um, How much is on the line for Wentz this year? Oh, God. I hate questions like this. I, that's what, why what I asked the, it. What, is, what does on the line mean? They're not going to get rid of him. No. Right. But they're like, not going to kill him. They're not going to. You know, put him in the center. They're not going to put him at broad market and put his head under well, a guillotine. But they did. They did draft a quarterback in the second round. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying. Yes, you are. Well, yes, you are. Well, well then the, that brings up the bigger question. You look at this team and you see all the holes they have. Why did they draft a quarterback in the second round when they have a franchise quarterback? Because they believe They're just, what they believe about the backup quarterback position. And they looked at the they looked at the available quarterbacks. It's a, it's a risk reward calculation that they made. They looked at the available quarterbacks and said, "There isn't a better option for us than drafting somebody who we think can play." Now, maybe Jalen Hurts can't play at the NFL level. I don't know. I think the best case scenario is Carson Wentz stays healthy and doesn't get hurt. Right, and that happens. That this year and next year and the year after that, and then they flip him, they flip Hurts for somebody else. Do you think it's a sign of organizational arrogance to think that way? No, I think it's a sign of okay. their philosophical way of looking at it. Because, because, Kevin, Kevin hold on. so what you're saying is if they went 8-8 eight and eight this year and Wentz was good but not great, uh, the next year there's going to be a starting quarterback battle? No, what I'm saying is by drafting this, they've invited – the question. I don't think it's a legitimate question. I think they've invited the question in because you drafted a backup quarterback so high. That's part one. Part two, especially when you have so many holes that you had to fill. You have to fill that offensive line. You know, the offensive line, whether it was healthy or not, is getting older. Okay, Kelsey's getting older. Johnson, uh, Lane Johnson's getting older. You, you weren't even counting on having Peters back. Dillard, you question him even before the draft because you were looking to shop him. I mean, you know, if you believe all the reports with like Derek Gunn and all that were before the draft. So why they wasted a second round pick on a backup quarterback to me still makes you no don't sense. Know, you don't know what they've wasted on it yet either. I mean, look, I, I was their biggest critic heading into 2017. Right. And they won the Super Bowl. I get it. The year they won the Super Bowl because they signed Sam Bradford. Already had Chase Daniel, traded up to draft Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. then released Chase Daniel and paid him a bleep ton of money anyway for releasing him, and then signed Nick Foles. But it worked out because Nick Foles was able to win them games and get them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, And their viewpoint is more than any other position. You have to have a strong backup. You have to have a strong backup quarterback, but that can mitigate everything else. Now, the other aspect of this too, and this is to your point, Kevin, and it's a valid one. At some point, the players they draft have to play and play well for them. Okay? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, in their defense, sometimes that doesn't happen immediately. Maybe J.J. Ortega-Whiteside will be better this year. Maybe he won't. But it's some, you, you can't just say that we drafted this guy in 2020 or 2019 
He didn't play well as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he's a wasted pick. At some point, you have to give these draft picks a chance to play, and they have to perform. And you can't just say, well, we have a young player at this spot. That's a hole. We don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. You just have to. Sydney. And, and hope that your quarterback keeps you in it. You know, I mean, look, look at it this way, Kev. I, I, I've used this example a bunch of times. In the 2006 season, the New England Patriots' best wide receiver throughout mm-hmm. that season was Rache Caldwell. Right. Okay. Now, as I'm sure Tom Brady would have won, and, and Patriots fans everywhere would have wanted the Patriots to get somebody better at wide receiver to help Brady that um, year. Right. Okay. As it turned out, because he's Tom Brady and the coach is Bill Belichick, they got to the AFC Championship game anyway and almost won. Okay. They lost to the Colts. They had a big lead and blew it. But right. They almost won. The following offseason, they signed Randy Moss and Wes Welker and created the best offense in the history of offenses and almost went undefeated. Right. The point the point being is that you can't you cannot spend to fill gaps every single season. You just can't do it. And the Eagles are looking at this, I think, and saying, we're counting on Wentz to be good enough to keep us in it. And if you look at what happened last season, he got them he won them an NFC East championship and got them into the playoffs with a whole bunch of nobodies at his skill positions. So you know, is is it a sure thing? No, but it is a possibility. Colonel, yeah. The uh, what do you see for this team, Mike? I mean, you, you know, it's it's hard. You hear a lot of different things. I know Kevin and Jack were on Monday, and basically Jack had them going like six and ten. I think Kevin was like, it is set. I, I'm kind of around like a. I think they're like a nine win kind of team, eight nine wins, and you can always be off. I still think the Cowboys should be the favorite to win the division, even with a new coach. What are your thoughts, you know, along those lines? Um, I think they're probably a nine-win team. I would put the Cowboys as the favorite, too, just because, you know, Mike McCarthy is a competent, if not a great, head coach. And, um, you know, they're going to be something different than they have been, and I think that always helps in the NFL. Um, I don't think the Redskins – excuse me, the Washington football team, I apologize, <laughs> it was just habit. I've said it a hundred times. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're they're a factor. I'm not persuaded that the Giants are a factor yet. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe Lansdale Catholic product Joe Judge is exactly the head coach they need um, to turn them around. Um, and I don't say that with any snark. Maybe he's really good. Um, but I think it's the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I think, you know, they're probably about an eight or nine win team with the possibility of, you know, getting better than that. I do. Yeah. I'm higher on some of their young players I think than some people are like maybe I'm crazy and maybe this is, you know, the, Oh, this guy in training camp is actually a really good player. Like I'm a huge Greg Ward guy. I, I think he is going to be, I like him. I think he's going to be their slot receiver for the next three or four years if they want. him. Wow. I'm I'm okay with Greg Ward. I, um, and I think, you know, if, if either Deshaun or Alshon can come back healthy, um, I think offensively they're going to be pretty good. Um, I think the defense worries me a little bit. The pass rush worries me, um, you know. And we'll have and losing Malcolm Jenkins in the defensive secondary worries me a lot. Yeah, but we'll see. And, and that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing, like how the secondary, which has been retooled, handles things. I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure on, on Jalen Mills going back to safety. Um, yeah. I I really. 
I don't know. It, it, there's just some t- some years, and you hate saying it, there's just some years you get vibes on. This just feels like a negative vibe year. We've you know? had negative vibes since, uh, you know, early March, Kev. Well, that's true. And even before that. Yeah, 2020. Uh, finally, Mike, let's talk about the Phillies. And, you know, is it Joe Girardi's influence that has kind of led them on this 9 out of 10 that they – They've stabilized. They they didn't panic. They didn't. They made the changes they needed to with the bullpen, but the lineup is produced. Obviously, you got the the, the two top aces at the, at the front end, but it seems like Girardi's just had this steady hand that's allowed them to kind of weather the storm. I mean, look, uh, Joe Girardi's a better manager than Gabe Kapler. The ca- the coaching staff is better than the one that Kapler put together. I think that's a factor. I think, as you mentioned, Nola and Wheeler at the top of the rotation are huge factors. Um, I think the fact that the bullpen could not possibly have pitched any worse, you know, after than it did in the first few games of this season, um, is a factor. Um, and their lineup hits the ton out of the ball. You know, that's a very deep lineup that Alex Bohm, for one, you know, example, has fit right into. Um, you know, Didi Gregorius has been has been excellent. He lengthens that lineup. I think I think there's more that they can get out of Zach. Eflin, I think there's a possibility that you see Eflin become their third starter and mm-hmm. Jake Arietta and his uh, vacuum cleaner go the way of all flesh, um, <laughs> you know, which is fine. I think as far as a lot of people are concerned and who knows what Spencer Howard's going to give you. Um, but yeah, things are better and they're right in there, man. I think it's going to be a fun final 25 or 28 games, whatever's left. Um, I would be surprised if they didn't, if they weren't one of the eight teams in the playoffs out of the National League. I really would be. Mike? You think they can win the division? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know the Braves are reeling a little bit, but uh, and the Phillies won't win nine in their next ten, probably. But uh, did you find it, Mike, interesting, or maybe it's just whatever it is that Bryce Harper came out and said that thing about the nine to ten, you know, ten games ago, and they then went out and did it. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, who knows? You never really know what sort of um, role or influence a manager or a star player saying something can have. Um, there's a lot being made of Joe Girardi giving like a 15-second speech after a loss in Atlanta that just kind of turned everything around, that Gabe Kapler wouldn't have said something along those lines. That's probably true. Um, I think that the guys in the clubhouse probably have a better sense that like, hey, Girardi's been through this before. If he says something, we can take it to heart sort of a thing. But the bottom line is they're playing better. It helps to have Andrew McCutcheon healthy and in the lineup. Mm-hmm. It helps that Reese Hoskins is in one of those streaks that he gets in. Yeah, where it looks absolutely. like every pitch thrown at him, he can hit over the fence. And, now and, maybe he'll he'll slide out of this again, but for right now, man, that's a that's a deep tough lineup. And Hoskins is not looking to walk. Hoskins is looking to drive the ball, which is what is was missing earlier in the year. Yes, and and the, and the perfect timing is because Real Muto and, and Harper both kind of hit a little bit of a mini slump here. That the yeah, lineup, maybe the guys carrying them, and and now they're not. Now they're not. But that's good, you know, because they will start hitting again eventually. We've seen John Middleton emerge in the last ten days, uh, a little more publicly. Obviously, hanging out with the pan, uh, the pandemic crew, uh, coincidentally on the Sunday night game last week. I, yeah, funny you know, how that worked out. Funny. At some point here, do you think Middleton gets involved in the real Mudo talks to get this done before? He, he hits free agency? No. No. J- JT Romuto would be a fool to sign with the Phillies before he hits free agency. And I don't think he will do that. 
Do you think now, he, that doesn't mean he's not going to sign with the Phillies? Right. It just means that he would be a fool to not see what's out there. Do you think the Phillies have handled this properly? I don't know what other way they could have handled it. I mean, they were going to sign him, and then the pandemic hit. Right? I mean, right. should they have signed him in anticipation of a global pandemic that shut the season down? Well, could they have signed? Well, could they have signed him last off season? A. B. I mean, I guess anything is theoretically possible, but it seems like the negotiations. It, yeah, there was talk. Obviously, there was a report this week that both sides denied about whether there was contact between Matt Clentak and and Real Muto's agents um, since the restart, and they have said that there has been some contact, but no offers. Do you think there? Do you think there should have been an offer before all this? I mean, I'm sure the should there have been an offer. I think once it got to a certain point, even if there was an offer, JT and his people would have been ridiculous to take. You know, take it. Yeah, what, what would the offer have been, Kevin? Like, would they have offered him twenty five million? Yeah, because probably. That's probably going to be the price, right? But they weren't going to offer twenty five million. So if they offered twenty million, Riamolto's people would have said, "Nah, we'll wait and see." So unless the Phillies were going to offer him record breaking money, then why talk? I'm, Kevin, to you, uh, I would say that you have. Well, you have to have the lines of communication open. So, I, the, okay, I'll the give one, you that. The yeah, one sure. part of the, the one part would have been you have to keep talking, and if they are talking, then that that's what should be happening. And Mike's right. Probably at this point, he's too close to free agency that he, you know you're not going to be able to to sign him beforehand. But I, I do believe that you you maybe throw a big offer out there. Maybe twenty three million, you know, Here's the each thing, year, though, five Kevin, years. If you throw a big offer out there, the offer probably gets out and then that sets the market when yep. it becomes a free agent. Yep. The one area that this whole week has at least helped the Phillies in this in the Real Mudo sweepstakes is Real Mudo can look around and say, okay, we can win. I mean, yes. because that was the big fear. The big fear was if it was going along the way it had started, that at a certain point Romulo looks around and goes, I can't win here, and then goes on to a team he thinks he can win with. And, and now that's at least a little bit off the table. So Yes, I, I would agree. I would agree. But, although the bigger fear should be the Yankees or the Mets throwing. No, Steve Cohen goofy, throwing goofy, a ton of money. money at him. Yeah, Steve Cohen will throw a ton of money. Adam, yeah. So. And, and then it comes down to, does Real Multo care if he gets 25 or 28 or 30 or whatever number is, or does he want to pick a place where he wants to play, whether that's in, in Texas, which is closer to his home, or Philly or New York. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's basically going to be his decision. Yeah. Mike Silski, columnist for the Inquirer, who will spend his Labor Day weekend watching hockey. Uh, Mike. And doing more. I'll have a beer, a, a frosty beverage here and there. and uh, You'll have a frosty beverage? Away on, on Kobe book research and yes. writing. So. Yeah, how is the book going? We should point out. It's coming along. I'm, I'm through the preface. I'm through chapter one, and I'm about 1,100 words into chapter two. I just I, I just wrote 1,100 words about Kobe's uh, whether or not he can, you know, he was actually born in Philadelphia and um, how he got his name. You're just looking to create an entire talk show subject with whether Kobe was a Philadelphian right there. Hey, man, I'm just answering the questions people want. Yes, to you to. are. Uh, and we'll be looking. That book's coming out next year. Uh, scheduled for the fall of 2021. 2021, when hopefully we can all go to a bookstore and buy it. So, good, luck, awesome. good luck with Saturday's deadline, pal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks, guys. Mike Zilski joining us. Mike, thanks a lot. 
Mr. Kern, hold on. We'll be back on working the beat right after these messages. And come on. And our thanks to Mike Silski for joining us uh, to touch on just about a little bit of everything, uh, including the Phillies and the Eagles at the end, but of course, mainly the Flyers. And uh, no Sixers talk. No Sixers talk. There's not really much. I mean, Ty Lue. Here's your Sixers talk. Jimmy Butler might be playing in the conference final. <laughs> that, that's, Jimmy, that's Jimmy Butler, talk. Jimmy Butler may sweep out the Bucks. <laughs> he wouldn't. Oh, uh, let's not get cat. Let's. Oh, uh, let, let, Hey, but. And the Celtics should have been up three zip on the uh, the wraps, but they blew one. Last I, I will the, say, yeah. the Stanley Cup playoffs, ha, in terms of quality, have blown away the NBA playoffs in the bubble. Uh, well, because you've had, yeah, I mean, look, the hockey's been, pre- and we have a team that's playing, right? Which I think makes a little bit of a difference. But there's been some look. The early rounds of the NBA playoffs usually aren't good anyway. Yeah, that's true. They they just aren't. You had the two. Ga- you had the two game sevens. Yeah, uh, with Houston and o- OKC. Yeah, and Denver and Utah. But boy, those two series were ugly. They were tough watches. Hey, uh, yeah, tough watches are part of it. Sometimes, I mean, you 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 want to talk about tough watches, Kevin? The, the first couple weeks of the NFL season. Oh, it's going to be a brutal watch. And I'm almost tempted to tell people to take the first maybe two three weeks. Just take all the unders. Yeah. Because defense, I, and, and look, Vegas will probably make allotments for that, I'm sure, because that's what Vegas does. But I would be willing to guarantee that of you know the 15 games each week, nine or ten of them will be unders. Because right. the defense is going to be way ahead. I, I've been thinking about this. We're going to start a pick segment next week. Um, oh, Christ. <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's going to be tough these first couple of weeks because you have nothing to gauge off of except yeah you know, like with the chiefs you think you know well you don't any you don't anyway i mean the, the exhibition games don't really give you did you see the latest line the bucks are like either the second or third favorite in the nfc yeah because and i think it's based on merit well there's they they got they're getting fournette look they had a quarterback who threw 30 interceptions last year, okay, which is an unheard of number. Uh-huh. And they, they averaged 30 points a game. Yeah. Now they got Brady. They got Gronk. They got, now I don't know what those guys got. They got, got, got Fournette. They got Shady. They got, they got, and they got a coach who yeah. knows offense. Uh, I'm just saying, I think, I think the 49ers. And, and their were, defense was pretty good. The, their defense, the 49ers were the favorite. I'm almost sure the Bucks were second at like, and the number wasn't that high. It was like um, eleven to two, maybe. I'm actually, I'm actually looking this up as we talk. It just struck me as, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying when I saw the Bucks up there as the as the the second, I was almost like, wow. But then when I think about it, makes sense. Know, well, they were ahead of the Saints. The Saints. Well, were like, remember, I I think people look at it and forget that Vegas sometimes reacts because they. Of the way people are, they think are going to perceive stuff. Sure, they have to. I mean, that's why Tiger was always, you know, not was what a, Tiger probably should have been sometimes. Right. Um. Yeah, but now I'm starting to think. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and and the rule of thumb is that the team that makes a Super Bowl and doesn't win takes a nosedive. We saw it with the Falcons. We saw it with the Rams. You know, will we see it with the Niners? I don't know. 
Uh, they were the flavor of the month last year. Yeah, they were. Um, and now you got, you know, the Saints, maybe you're getting a little old. I don't know this. Uh, who else strikes you as, as a legitimate team coming out of the NFC? Well, Seattle? I think um, Seattle's pretty good. I, I actually like do Seattle. think Seattle. And I think the Jamal Adams thing helps their back end. But their, which, their division is tough. Yeah, but, um, but they're, they are, I'm actually looking at the uh, futures here, okay? I mean, who do you like in the NFC Central? Uh, well, in the in the North, you mean North? I mean, I meant North. I'm sorry. Well, Green Bay. Okay, but I, you know, I don't know if they're, you know, Green Bay. Recent years, I mean, they they had a good year last year and lost in the yeah, they lost to San Francisco. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Who, All right, so uh, I'm looking at this is uh, on Parks's app, right? Um, to win the division, to win the conference. No, do the conference. Okay. Hold on here. Um, actually, they don't have that. Okay. Well, they had it on the. They had the, the NFC. Cha- they had the NFL championship winner. Okay. Well, that would be the, the, the Chiefs. Obviously, would be favored six to one. Six to one on the Chiefs ain't bad. Plus six hundred, rather. So that's, that's six one. That's not horrible. Ravens are six fifty. I wouldn't take the Ravens at six fifty. That's just me. The Niners are nine. Not sure I would take that, and I like the Niners. Saints but are again, Saints are eleven. Uh, Saints are eleven plus eleven hundred. Right. I personally would stay away from the Saints. Yeah, um, I've been on the Saints the last two or three years, and they've let me down. The Bucks are fourteen. Yeah. Okay. So they're the fourth. They're the sixth favorite. The, the fifth. Win fa- the whole fifth thing. favorite. Fifth. Fifth to win the whole and thing. third in the NFC. Yeah, but the one I saw, they were ahead of the Saints, so that might may, might have been a different one. But even yeah. if they're third, I mean, the Bucks. This is the Bucks we're talking about. Um, you know, for the last decade, or since they beat the Eagles and the, won the Super Bowl with Gruden, have been you know wandering in the desert. Patriots are plus two thousand. Yeah, I, yeah. So they, twenty they, to one. Yeah, you can make them plus two hundred thousand. There's some teams it doesn't matter what they are. You know, it, it's you know. Same as the Eagles at plus two thousand. I would take the Eagles. I think. Well, I don't know. Man, you got Belichick. I, they've got like six guys opting out. Yeah, Cam is interesting. Cam makes he's it interesting, but he's not. You know, he's five years removed from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, getting to the Super Bowl and winning the MVP. Yeah. I don't know. Neither. Neither. That doesn't do anything for me. You know. I'll be. You know the one team that's not listed on that when we've been talking about it used Cowboys. to be used to be the flavor of the month, and it's the Rams. Well, yeah, because you know they're in a tough division. I mean, you know, first of all, the Rams, you know, by the way, on the Parks app are plus four thousand. And that seems a little high, but I, I mean, I don't even know if I would bet them, only because I like Seattle and the not. But again, I don't know what's going to happen with the Niners, but history suggests that they are not going to be that team that they were last year. Maybe they buck history. You know, uh, I think the Cowboys, given the right circumstances, maybe could I, – I don't, I don't, I'm not in love with the Cowboys. But, you know, uh, you know, what's the team that's going to be able to get the home field advantage? Because that's what you're really looking at. You know, who can be the team either the one or the – now, this year's going to be different because there's, te- there's eight teams, right? Right. Uh, seven teams make the playoffs. Seven. So only the number one team, one team gets a buy. Five, right? Yep. Yeah, that's important. 
I mean, not playing that first week is not everything. But, you know, if you if you have one less week where you don't have to play, yeah, that's a good thing, you know. So, you know, uh, Green Bay, I get, you know, like you said, Green Bay, I, I think, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, the quarterback wants to prove to everybody that he's still the guy, you know. Patrick who Mahomes, knows? by the way, Patrick Mahomes is listed as plus 400, four to one uh, to win the MVP. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, seven to one. Russell Wilson, eight to one. Dak Prescott, eh, 14 to one. Tom Brady, 16 to one. Do you realize somebody said this? And I didn't believe it, but it must be true. That uh, Russell Wilson has never gotten a vote for MVP. Yeah, he's never won an MVP vote. No, 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 no. Never received a vote. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, because <laughs> some years. You know, Everybody looked all, at their defense and thought that the defense is no, but all thirty them. votes might go to Mahomes. Like, yeah, like yeah. if there's thirty-two, I'm just never saying, received the first place vote. Yes, there's not like I don't think there is first, second, third. I think you just vote for a guy, and that's why he's never gotten a vote probably because you don't vote like one, two, three. That's I'll tell you what, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to repeat because it's hard to repeat. It's 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 you know the Patriots did it once, but the Chiefs at at six to one. And Mahomes at four to one. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, Mahomes didn't win the MVP last year. No, it was Lamar Jackson. Won. It was it was Lamar Jackson, and he was hurt. Mahomes was hurt early in the season. He mm-hmm. missed a couple games or whatever. Well, I'll tell you what. I think of all those guys you just said, and, and of course he could get injured the first week. I would take a shot on Mahomes at four to one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a it's not a bet that's going to make you a ton of money, but it's decent. four to one's four to one. I mean, if you yeah. bet some guys bet real money, not like. Me or you, um, I mean, the, the chances of Jackson repeating his MVP probably aren't great. Um, I don't know if Brady can have a monster enough year at 43 or whatever the hell he is. What was Aaron Rodgers? I'm just curious. You know, he's not even on my first list. Wow. Now, see, there's – and I know he hasn't played as well the last couple years. I, I understand. They don't have a lot of weapons up in Green Bay to help him out. But man, you know that's. Um, I'm 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 looking. Yeah, at, it's interesting. I'm, and I'm, Goff isn't even on there. I mean, two years ago, you know, Goff had the great year, and uh, the 49er quarterback had a good year last year. Aaron Rodgers is plus three thousand, so thirty to one. Yeah, I mean, I, well, what? I'm just curious. What is uh, Mr. Wentz? Twenty to one. Okay. The Sean, him and the Sean Watson are twenty to one, right behind Brady. The problem with, with an MVP... Let me, let, me, let me give you two other names here, okay? You were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Drew Brees is 22 to 1. Right. Kyler Murray is 25 to 1. Well, see, here's the problem with MVP. You almost have to be on a winning team. I mean, a real winning team. Not a 9-7 and seven team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the Cardinals are, but I don't think they're an 11-win team. So... I mean, Mahomes got it two years ago. I I don't know what the Chiefs were two years ago, but they I think they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, Jackson gets it, and they had the best record in the league. And usually, I think when Rodgers got it, you know, they were pretty good. I'm just saying, it's hard for a guy whose team might only win nine games or so to win an MVP unless he really, really, really goes over the top. Uh, I I mean, Drew Brees, yeah, I mean, he's getting long in the tooth. But if the Saints have a monster year, yeah, you know, um, but I'm pretty sure Mahomes is going to have a, a good year. Now, whether it's a great year, 
you know, and off the chart. You know, he threw for 50 touchdowns two years ago. Um, you know, will he only throw for 40 this year? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't take Dak Prescott. No, I wouldn't and, either. Uh, because I just think he has – and that doesn't mean I don't think the Cowboys could win 10 or 11 games if everything went well. And But I just uh, – you know, I don't know. When you look at – I mean, you know, when you look at obviously we're – a week away from the season and kind of the t- stuff we were talking about with Mike. You're six days away from the season. Okay, but for us, it's a week. For us, yes. Um, I mean, what kids constitutes for this team a good year, you think? Is it getting back to the playoffs and that would be it's, fine? Or It's a pandemic year, Kevin. I, You know, I, I think just like we said with baseball, and baseball was different because they're only going to play 60 games. I mean, I'm making the assumption – that the NFL is going to play its full amount of games come hell or high water. I don't know what the pandemic's going to be like in October or November, you know, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what to make it. I'll be honest with you. I think that first game in Washington is going to be tough. I do too. Um, but I, I think I have a little bit higher expectation than maybe you were jacked by how much I don't know. I, I just think I have confidence in, in the coach. The quarterback showed me a little something at the end of last year, even though it was against bad teams. I get all that. He had he was playing with nobodies. Um, so we'll see. Hey, look, the season probably comes down to the two games against the Cowboys. Right. Because it always does. So, you know, are they going to go 1-1 one one in those games? Are they going to go 0-2 in those games? Are they going to go... You know, because Doug has a pretty good record against Dallas. Mm-hmm. But now you got Mike McCarthy. I I don't know what kind of a, an impact Mike McCarthy's going to have. You know, um, we'll see. But I think if, right now, I think Dallas is slightly better than them. I see the Eagles as about a nine-win team, which means, hey, they could win. You know, I could be wrong by a game or two. They could, and I see Dallas as more like a 10 and a half-win team, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and I think I don't think the Giants or the Redskins are going to be as bad as they've been, but I don't think they're going to be better than maybe five or six kind of win teams, you know? Yep. Uh, I was – I'm looking at the college football schedule. I, as Mike said, college football does get underway in some form this weekend. There are seven games of note. Well, when seven, Alabama and Clemson play, let me know. <laughs> that no, would, I'm just saying. Does Alabama or Clemson play this week? Uh, Alabama does not. Alabama's not starting, I think, until late September. Is Clemson playing? Clemson is not playing. Clemson plays, okay. I think, next week. Okay, how about Oklahoma? Uh, they are not this week either. Okay. When the usual suspects who are in the playoffs every, almost every year, Georgia, <laughs> Oklahoma, Alabama. Oklahoma plays next week. Oklahoma okay. plays next week against Missouri State. Clemson okay. plays Wake Forest next week. Okay, so, and Wake Forest isn't even going to be good this year because if Villanova probably had a chance to beat them when they played. Um, and Notre Dame is the other school. Obviously, when Notre Dame plays, people will care. Um, and that Notre probably, Dame plays next week. They play uh, Duke. Yeah, and I don't think Alabama plays until like the 20th or 27th or something like that. It so, sounds about right. But, you know, it's great. So college football now, think about where we are in the world. College football now, the, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-10 are 
I, I don't know so much with the Big Ten, but maybe their hand would be forced, although I don't think anybody forces the Big Ten's hand, are talking about maybe, maybe playing like starting at Thanksgiving. Yeah. And now they're talking about, well, maybe we should move the playoffs back. because And Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney comes out and says, wait a minute. Hold on. No, 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 no. And he's absolutely freaking right. Yeah. You made your decision. You've made your decision, and I applaud the decision. I'm okay with the decision. But don't then tell me that, oh, well, you know, no, 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 no. no. Now, of of course, if Ohio State plays two games in December or three games in December and looks like they're great and they're not in a playoff, that's tough crap. You know, and and we don't even know there's going to be a playoff. Right in early January. Um, By the way, you know, we should we should point out LSU and Alabama both start September twenty sixth as their first. Yeah. Game. Um, and that's you know and that, and and like I said, Clemson plays. But I'm, I'm just saying, um, uh, the the college it's college football is just going to be so weird this year because, and and you know the chances are at some point maybe some games going to get canceled mm-hmm. uh, or pushed back or or whatever. Because something's going to happen and, you know, people are going to test positive and then somebody high in, in the government's going to tell me, oh, no, they're not, you know. It, look, you just take it as it is. Well, you take it for what it's worth. Somebody's going to get crowned the champion at the end of the year, probably. And it's probably going to be, you could name the six teams as, you know, one of those five or six teams is going to be, barring something goofy. Um, well, and, and I want to bring up an issue that, that's close to home with Temple. Uh, Temple, of course, this week uh, suspended in-person classes because they've had an outbreak on on campus. And, and you know, I, I understand that. I'm not I'm not saying that as a you know as a always me kind of thing. You know, it, it, you know, like. Uh, but should Temple be allowed to continue if there's been an outbreak on campus? Well, how about for every other school that there's been? Well. That, that if you're not going, if you're doing virtual learning and you're basically telling kids, hey, if you pay room and board, you have until September 13th, you can move out and get a full refund. Um, I, I'm not sure then a, a school should be playing at that. Kevin, point. did not I say that 20 yeah, times on this show you two have. months ago? Three. Well, then why would you think? I, of course it's wrong. But that ain't going to stop them from doing it. Temple, by the way, his first game is uh, September 26th as well. They play at Navy. Yeah, and I don't even know what Temple financially gets out of this. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know what an Alabama gets out of it or a Notre Dame or an Ohio State. You're talking, you know, lots and lots and lots of money. Temple, I'm not as sure. But it, 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 I don't see how anybody with a brain can sit and tell me, and this is, goes to high schools too, Yeah. if you're not going to school, and then, of course, the argument becomes, well, those kids are safer because they're over a tenth and diamond in their own little training facility. What are you telling the rest of your student population? Mm-hmm. You know, those people over there are more important than you people over here. Even though you're going to school to be assigned, and I'm not, look, some of their football players may be road scholars, for all I know, but you're, I think it's just sending a, a weird message. Um, and we all know what the message is. Obviously, money. Um, you know, and you're going to see it with the PIAA. I mean, the PI, the high school sports is going to be so weird this year. Yeah, there's going to be uh, high school games in the upper portions of the state beginning, I believe, yeah. to, uh, tonight. 
Yeah. Um, around here, only suburban one league play, and that'll be again on September t- that that same weekend, September twenty. Kevin, are they 26th. planning on having state titles? They are. Okay. As of now. Uh, okay. But I think that's also a like the Super Bowl one league's playing five games, five that's games. All. That's it. That's all. So, what kind of measure? How do you do this? It, well, I guess what I would say to that is, and I'll flip my coin because usually I'm on the side. If it really means a lot to the and take the state playoffs out of it or or whatever, but for kids that really want to play and put a lot of work into it, mm. and you're gonna say, hey, we'll get you five games. You know, there's not going to be a play. I can almost see that. Yeah. You know, if there's no fans, no whatever. But I'm just thinking of the poor kids at the school who maybe put a lot into whatever they do. Uh, whether it's band, whether it's cheerleading, whether it's, um, I don't know, pick pick an extracurricular activity that maybe has gotten curtailed. I, I just think when you send a message that athletes or, or certain athletes, certain athletic teams Get ba- bigger ba- than the school. whatever else is going. Yeah, it's I like, agree. What What is Ohio State? Is Ohio State a university or, or a, a farm team? Program? Right. And that's why I agreed with the Big Ten. Now, look, I don't have a kid who plays at Ohio State that maybe I, if I was a parent, maybe I would think differently. Maybe I would think the same way. Maybe I would say, hey, I don't want my kid. You know, they just came out with some study, Kevin. I don't know where I read this. That apparently they're seeing a lot of athletes who've tested positive. That got rebuked yesterday. Okay, and that's why I say I don't know. I'm just saying what about I read. the about the heart condition, right? Yeah, but that, that got rebuked you, yesterday. Okay, but I will guarantee you that years from now, we will look back and they will have figured out one way or another that there was certain things that happened to people that had long term effects. Yeah, that we don't know anything about right now. Let's touch on a couple other topics before we say goodbye. Uh, we mentioned the Sixers earlier. Uh, not surprising Jay Wright uh, pulled his name out of consideration uh, for the head coaching job with the statement saying he's staying at Villanova. And very sometimes happy. what that means is that Jay didn't think he was going to get it. It could mean it could be mean both, but sometimes you know maybe Jay put out maybe Jay didn't want it. Oh, that could be the first thing. That's likely, I would think. Likely, but what I'm saying is maybe. And I'm not saying this happened, but he sometimes knew. people will put out feelers to say, hey, are they interested in me? I don't think, the more I think about this Sixers job as it's presently constituted, I don't think Jay could coach that team. I don't either. And maybe he saw that. I mean, maybe Jay's not a stupid guy, as no. we, you know, we know. And Jay might have looked at it and said, you know what? They got no shooters. You know, he probably looked and at no the Celtics. And no cap room. Well, he probably looked at the Celtics and, and he said, I can coach that team. Yeah. They got a bunch of perimeter players running around. Hey, that's what we do at Villanova. Yeah. And no ca- yeah. and no cap room, which is a big deal yeah. too. Hey, that that could be an issue, huh? Uh a little bit. Um <laughs> the uh Tyrone Lou, according to our buddy John Johnson, uh is close, he thinks, to getting the job. Uh some others. Well, who else is there? Well nobody else nobody else. Nobody else has been mentioned. Nobody else. No. It's it's Ty, it's Ty Lue, or or if Ty, if they can't reach an agreement, they'll go to some up. But I think they're going to reach an agreement. I think if it's gotten this far, barring some major breakdown, Ty Lue is going to be the coach. Steve Nash takes the Brooklyn job. What did you? I think have of no that? idea about. I have no idea. I, I I love Steve Nash. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I love the way he played. I don't know. You know, see, my thing about Jersey is everybody's talking about them as if they're going to. 
and the expectations up there, if you listen to New York radio, they're thinking title. Yeah. You know, this is not like I want You don't see spend that what, money without thinking title. I want to see what Durant looks like at like 32 or th- whatever whatever age he is coming off that injury. Yeah. Because I would be shocked. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I don't think he's going to be Kevin Durant. And as we've seen with Kyrie Irving, he misses half the games and he can be a royal pain in the ass. Yeah. So maybe they'll be good. I don't notice, but I'm not making them the favorites in the East unless Giannis signs in the West and Nick Nurse leaves the, the Torontos and Brad Stevens leaves the Celtics or some kind of mishmash like you that. You sold on Brad Stevens? I've always been sold. I, I, I just said, you, but you you got at some point, you have to do what Spolster does. You, know, you, you, you need to have something next to your name other than, hey, I have a reputation. Last year, the Celtics weren't very good. Now, how much no, of that was Stevens? Well, honestly, that could have been Kyrie causing a lot of could have been headache. Could have been, but he had you know. But he, but all I'm saying is, let let's see the, let's see what yeah. they do now. Let yeah, this let's not team play. this team feels like it fits more Stevens mold than last year or any of the years with Kyrie to be blunt. Well, but last year's team was the team from the year before that that, that did really well. That went to the so, East final, right? Yeah, so I mean, I I mean, let's first of all, they can't blow this series because mm-hmm. if you blow this series now, in the way they, you're going to look bad. Yeah, this, it won't be a good look. And then see who you're playing. You know, maybe you're playing Jimmy. Um, I think that would be fascinating. That would be a great series. And, I would and, love that series. And Giannis probably leaves Milwaukee. I think if, if if maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too many whatevers. But I think that would be. A, if you're a Sixer fan, you can't watch that series. Who are you rooting for? Now you you will be watching a lot of Clippers Lakers as opposed to that series. Sure, um, but and it will be Clippers Lakers. So well, I think it's going to be Celts Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think in the West it's definitely going to be Clippers, Clippers Lakers. Lakers. Um, but I think it's going to be Celts and, and Miami. I, I I really do, and um, I think it'll be I think that'll be a fun series to watch. Um, so next week I'm trying to get a, uh, Tuesday is our kind of our Eagles preview show, uh, reaching out to a couple of our, our friends to see if they can come on to talk about the birds. I'm sure we'll have some more flyers conversation on Tuesday as well. Uh, win or lose. Well, win or lose. Yeah, but the conversation will be better, better if if they win. Uh, and actually I think. Game one of the Eastern Final would be on Monday night. So, in in Labor, Labor Day, yeah, Labor Day night. So, you got a feeling on this one for tomorrow? Ah, uh, look, every Flyer fan is on talk radio today, telling them how to fly. And, and look, and and I'm sure if I talk to every Islander fan or most of them, I mean, there's got to be some disappointment with the Islanders that yep. they've lost three overtime games. That's never happens. I mean, so now you're in a game seven. The Flyers. The Flyers have the better goalie. I mean, I think the Islanders' goalie's been has been fine. The Islanders haven't played great in front of him. No. Um. I you know I I I you know God. I mean, the perfect ending to this series overtime. would be Oscar scoring in triple overtime. They'd make a TV movie to week out of it. It would be like you know they a still 30 make TV movies. Now they don't. You're, you know, you well Lifetime does, but it won't be on <laughs> Lifetime. Um, it'd be a thirty for it'd be something, but it would be. I mean, what a story. And, it would. Hey, forget about 
that guy had that was uh, awesome rare bone cancer what was it nine months ago he was diagnosed yeah and, and he and kudos to the Islanders last night who, you know, when they had that center ice face-off after the first goal, the stick-tap thing salute from the Islanders for him yeah. was awesome. Well, I mean, look, they're all in that together. Yeah. I mean, hockey players are a different breed. You know that. But, I mean, here's a guy, and wasn't he one of the – he was one of the Flyers' better players, right? Well, yeah, he got, he, he got off to a great start. Right. Yeah. So, and I – look, I don't know what impact that had last night because obviously the Flyers got off to the good start, then – kind of fizzled behind. right i mean what do you make of it that the flyers have given up leads in the series but but and but they've also both teams have come back both teams have taken this has been turn. a very strange series because one team has outplayed the other one basically if you do a composite out of the six games five five games in a period Flyers, well, Flyers have had maybe that, that may be a, that may be a little but i mean the islanders have, have had the better to play well yeah I mean, so all I right. Know, well, it's seven games. If you count the two overtimes, yeah. and then the uh, the other overtimes, so it's close to seven games total. I would say maybe yeah. five. You know, the not maybe you know, uh, fifteen of the twenty-two or twenty-three periods. Yeah, but I mean, even in the game, the Islanders came back and they were, they were down three nothing. The Flyers for the first half of that game, mm-hmm. you know, were up three nothing. I mean, it, it's um, what scares me is 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 the, that guy number thirteen. I'm telling you. He, every time yeah. he touches the puck, I Bars just... Out. But here's the thing. Do you think tomorrow's going to be more of a 2-1 to one game or a 4-3 to three game? Game seven's always tightened up. Um, yeah, but this series hasn't been that way. I know, but... You, you know? Th- this series just feels like it's tightened up in a lot of ways, okay. so... Yeah. Or I, I think mean, this series... I think game seven's tightened you up. So I think the opportunities are not going to be as plentiful... Um, in the neutral zone, I think the Flyers win because I think that, to be honest, I, watching the Islanders go off the ice last night, they look like a team that that's shell shocked. And I wonder if you could put it back together in forty. I don't think they're shell shocked, they, but they're disappointed. They, well, I mean, you play two overtimes and you know you lose on a shot from the whatever. And they, they, like I said, if that guy's stick doesn't break at the blue line, they probably win in regulation. How about? It's a fl- it's a fluke play, but the Flyers, to their credit, could take advantage of it and score it. I think, so, I think this is the fifth series between the two teams dating back to, you know, and this is the third time a team has at least forced game seven when down 3-1. So Yeah, well, I know the one in 75. And they, 87. They I don't. Re- I don't remember the eighty-seven. One. Eighty-seven was the second round. They. they yeah. I, Flyers I were up three-one. Islanders forced the back to three-three. And yeah, I just Flyers remember the game. finals that year. That was the only thing I remember. But uh, I mean, here's a question you should ask yourself: Has a team ever won a seven-game series mm-hmm. without scoring a power play goal? That's a good question. That's what the Flyers might be trying to. I mean, they, look, they could score a power play goal tomorrow night. Um, but their power play has been awful. Like zero for fourteen. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them, the Isles almost had as good a chances as they did. Well, um, yeah, the thing is, Flyers really haven't had a ton of chances on the power play. I think it's nine. No, I think it's, it's stunk. Nine. No, no, but the, the way the games have been called oh, have I been. Got what I got what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, they've had fourteen. They've had. They've had. So fourteen. I think it's only nine. Is it nine? Nine or ten? Was, no. Okay, I could be. I think no, they're over their last fourteen, dating back to the Montreal series. I could be wrong. And look, they got. They they killed off that power play at the end of regulation. 
which killed, you know the, killed off the, the Isles the, have a power play. Now at the end of the first overtime, the Isles had a power play too. Was the end of the first, okay, I thought it was. Well, the they also had one at the end of regulation too. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. That will and the Flyers killed both of them. Yeah. Flyers penalty so, kill has been decent, and, but the Flyers power play has been awful. Look, um, the Flyers probably have the better goalie, so that has to count for something. But if the Isles are going to outshoot them by twenty again. Yeah, I think that's asking. You're, you're, I don't think they will, but it's asking you know, a lot. You can't play like that. No. You, you you just can't. You 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 know it's it's just it's sooner or later some of those shots are going to go in. Well, I had four of them went in, but it, you know it's just a forty nine did. So big big weekend coming up. It, you know, obviously the Phillies playing in New York against the Mets. You got the Flyers game seven. The Mets stink. You got. Although the division stinks. Although let's let's be honest, uh, the Mets yesterday won on a Pete Alonso home run in the extra innings over the Yankees, which was touching. Given the Yankees stink, which was touching given what happened with Tom, you know that was the day after Tom Seaver died. So it, actually, a lot of the sentiment was mentioned last night. Uh, sure, sure, great. I mean, look, if, if the greatest Philly when Mike Schmidt dies at some yeah. point. You know, he's going to be the greatest Philly ever play, I think. I think most people would agree on that. I was looking uh-huh. up. I want to mention Tom Seaver for one thing. I was looking up numbers when Seaver died, and he faced Carlton, I think, 18 or 19 times, right? Um, and those games were must-watch at that point. They but probably took two hours and 20 minutes. I was just going to say, you know, the longest game between the two was opening day 1981, and it went two hours and 43 minutes. They have five yeah. games between them that were under two hours. Kevin, there was a Bob Gibson Carlton game, probably, well, yeah, it had early seventies, I guess, after Carlton came over. I think it was a buck forty nine sticks in my mind because they just got the ball and threw it. It was like, yeah, here, here, Bob, throw it again. Yeah, it, it was. That's when baseball. Can you imagine watching a two hour game? I'll be unbelievable. I'm not sure it's physical. I'm not sure with the commercial breaks and everything, it's physically possible to have a two-hour game anymore. No, the best you could hope for is maybe two and a half. Um, But even that, I mean, I got spoiled. I got spoiled the year of the uh, with Halliday and Lee and all that, where we were roughly about two thirty a lot of times. Two thirty. I mean, you know, it's just a different game. It's evolved into batters stepping out of the batter's box, fixing their glove, doing this. You didn't do it. If you did that back in the day, they'd hit you. Yeah. Bob. Oh, by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't say kudos to the guy on the Rays who hit the two home runs the night after Chapman put one, a hundred miles. Almost ear hold them. Yeah. I mean, he hit two home runs. Good for him. You know, and, and again, it's like, you know, I never feel sorry for the Yankees because they're the Yankees and whatever, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, and what's up with that team? I mean, I know they have a lot of injuries. I know they're oh, always yeah. injured. They're always that does hurt. matter. It does matter. But my God, they're supposed them and the Dodgers are supposed to be the odds-on favorites. Well, the Dodgers are really good. They are. But the Yankees now are like the, the fourth or fifth favorite in the AL betting wise. You know, I, I think because the injuries have made them so uncertain. Um, but they always seem like they have those injuries, don't they? Yeah, I'm not. But like, once you get into the tournament, it's going to be totally different. It really I is. I know. But, like, it's like the Mets. Every year we sit there and, and try to evaluate the Mets, and they always have, like, three injuries that totally changes their, their whole 
thing around. Um, and, and like we talked about this before baseball came back. How many injuries have we had this year? A lot. Think about it. A lot. And it's all because... Short camps. Short camp. And nobody cares. Um, nobody cares. It just, you know... So you, got, it is what it is. so you got baseball, you got hockey, you got basketball this weekend, you got the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Got Navy football. You got Navy football. You have some college football this weekend. And, and you also have the tour championships. I love the Wake Forest. Coach. And the U.S. Dave Open. Clawson. Dave Clawson's great, but... They're not supposed to be real good this year. They lost, like, almost everybody. Right. Navy's, a, although they, they have been practicing for Navy, I guess. I, w- I don't even know what the line is, but you might want to f- favor the middies. Over BYU? Oh, I thought it was Wake. What am no. I talking about? B- Clemson's playing Wake next week. I don't know anything about BYU. I can't, I can't give you... Um, College nah, football but, is going to be a... You want to talk about tough, like, for our picks? That's going to be tough, the do you Dick. see what the Georgia quarterback just did? What? He opted out. The guy transferred from Wake Forest. He was pretty good. Right. He, he was a grad transfer. Right. Goes to Georgia. He's going to beat her starting quarterback. You know, in a team that's going to start the season, I don't know, fifth in the country, whatever, wherever Georgia right. starts. He just opted out to, to well, concentrate you, on the draft. You, you voted in the AP poll for a long time before. Yes, uh, I did. Yes, I did. They still have Ohio State second. Well... I voted. I was still before I started voting in the BCS one. I voted in the AP the years that Auburn was on probation and had those two. You know, first they went unbeaten, right? And then the next year, I think they had a tie. I'm trying to remember. And we voted Auburn like we were voting on Auburn. But Ohio State isn't even playing. Isn't even playing. Well, that's in case they want to put them in the playoffs. Like if they <sighs> if they win two games in, Dece- in early December, you know. They're, I, Kevin, I, if I had an answer for you, I, 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 what can I tell you? I know. I mean, it, you know, I, people are very reluctant in this world that we live in to come to grips with reality. Just deal with reality. The Big Ten has told us they're not playing. The Pac-12, there's a pandemic going on. Just deal with it, people. Wear a mask whenever yeah. you can. It's not a big deal. Social distance whenever you can. If a college team chooses not to play or the conference chooses not to play. It's not a big deal. Don't put them number two in the yeah, country. Exactly. You know? But, hey, yeah, you got, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll win the national championship because they'll go zero and zero and everybody else will lose again. Undefeated. Uh, any, any Labor Day plans there this weekend? Uh. Tomorrow, I think we're going over my wife's best friend who has a pool. So we're taking over a bunch of... I went down to my favorite pierogi place, Chev's. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Down in Port Richmond. Loaded up on some kielbasa and sausage and throw them on the griddle. Saturday, Sunday, we're going down to meet my daughter halfway in Harvard de Grasse, Maryland. Mm-hmm. We're going to, there's a Cajun restaurant there that... My son-in-law really likes. We're going to. You're not hanging out with the mayor, are you? Uh, no. He went to Chesapeake City, oh. and I've been to that restaurant. I, I'm, hey, kidding. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to touch on something after I tell. And then Monday, I think me and my son and my his father-in-law and my grandson are going to go to the Chipping Putt up in Marsville. Okay. Well, I went there for the first time last week. It was pretty cool. All so right. we're going to go all all like seventy-yard holes. You know, you take a wedge and you hit it. Right, and I got to ask you something. Who's stupider, 
Jim Kenny or Mary Pelosi? Nancy Pelosi. Okay, but she claims... No, no, no. Nan- Nancy Pelosi is the name. No, I agree with you. You said Mary. Oh, I'm, I meant Nancy. I'm correcting who your... Do you, who do you think is stupider? I don't know. Now, Nan- she says that she got set up, and I probably I, believe... You know... That, but she's got to know better than that. She has I got to know better than to bring up something like that no, on the show. But she can't call up... The, like she said, oh, I called up. They assured me it was okay. They had the cameras. Go. I know. So you know they wanted to get her saw, on camera. I saw. That's stupid. You I call saw. 35 times. Jim Kenny decides he's going to go to Chesapeake City and not eat outdoors, which he could have done because they had outdoor seating, uh-huh. and then say, oh, yeah, and then apologize to the people of Philadelphia uh-huh. who are now going to vilify him because he can't well, eat Let's be honest. It's not that far a leap for a lot of people in this city to vilify no, I, it in well, there. I, I'm just saying, you, if, if Jim Kenny wanted to go down and eat in Chesapeake City, I have no problem with that. Eat outside. Why would you take the chance that somebody's going to take a picture of you or put it on social media, and then you got to go apologize? No, no, no. These, these people, I swear, Kevin, they don't think. They do, and that's, look, I just ripped two Democrats, so let's just, yeah, you got to think. If you're telling all the restaurant owners in Philadelphia you can't open indoors, and then you go eat indoors because it's legal down there, huh? Ah, yeah. Nah. By the way, congratulations to the restaurants that will be opening up on, um. Absolutely. On, um, Tuesday? Every, Tuesday, I believe, and please, people. When you go to the restaurants, do what you're supposed to do so they don't shut them down again. Just do do whatever they ask you to do. And tip the your mask, tip your waiters and waitresses accordingly. Tip your waiter another 20% or yep. whatever you, you're going to tip them because they're not making a lot of money. Nope. And just do the right thing and everything eventually will get better. What am I doing? I'm going to t- it's, it's going to involve steaks at some point. Uh probably tomorrow night. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Uh, doing sausages and burgers on Monday. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing Sunday. Um, You're watching um, the Phillies? You're watching the tour I, championship? I I, well, no, I probably will end up trying to go out with my wife. It's funny because we're looking at going away uh, at some point in October, like just to get away for a night or two. Right uh, in the heart of the pandemic. I love it. <laughs> I mean... Well, let's like, go in October. <laughs> well, I think I think we're going to go try, like maybe up the mountains or. Something. We're debating whether you go to the shore or do you go to the mountains. In October. In early October. Uh, well, I would always choose shore because I'm a shore person. I don't know if I would choose anywhere in early October, but you know that for for a one night getaway. Kevin, it, it doesn't matter if it's a ninety I understand. minute getaway. If it's if you're going to a place. It's a hotel or something where you're going to be staying in a room that, you, you know, well, you, you don't know. Your, you wear your mask, you bring your Lysol, and you do what you have to I, do. But see, I, I, but see, I don't consider that getting away. That, that, like, I've said that to, to – I've had this conversation. Like, if, if I'm going to do that, why am I doing it? Like, you know, I'm not carrying a can of Lysol. I'm not, I, I don't, I want to be, I'll be honest though. I'll be honest. One of the first things we've actually considered is doing like an Airbnb or something where it's, yeah, but see, to me, they're all the same thing. And I know there's probably differences. I get it. 
Yeah. But to me, now, if you said you were going to go down to the shore and sit on the beach for a day, you know, and, and kind of do one of those things, and okay. I mean, we're okay. not super beach people. Yeah, that's fine. I get that. So maybe you go to the mountains and sit by a lake or something. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, I, I just don't. I just want me. quiet. Like I, that, That's fine. <laughs> quiet is good. A vacation to me has to be a vacation. Like, I, I want to, if I go to the shore, I want to be able to say, hey, Gene, our favorite restaurant's over there. Let, let's go, you know, eat there. Mike, I don't even or, care if we eat out. I mean, yeah. I, if I find some place that has a grill that I can throw a few burgers on. Yeah, if you go away, you at least want to do takeout. I mean, well, come on. You're, you you want to do, yeah, come on. If I'm going away for like two nights, I can grill one night and take takeout yeah. another. See, I don't think I've ever grilled on somebody else's grill. That's, that's another thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I've been to a lot of places where they had, like, community grills, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I just never I, – I, I've thought about it. Yeah. But, like, Myrtle Beach, the place we go to, has a grill. Um, but I, it's just not, it just doesn't seem like my thing. I don't know. Well, we also don't want to go too far away either. We don't want to I go to Myrtle you. Beach. We don't want to go – you know, I've thought I, about going to Cooperstown. How about Ocean City, Maryland? You ever been there? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, you go to shore, go to mountain, go, you know, yeah. what, what, take a day trip to Hagen's place and just eat all day. I don't think that would be good for the diet. We we well, will go next week, though. We, we, we really need to get out there. Yeah, we do. We do. Okay, I'm going to start the music now. Yeah, babe. I'll talk to you. Go for it. Yep. Talk to you. All right, thanks to Mike Silski for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. Have a great and safe Labor Day weekend. This has been Work on the Beat. Park